transformerstuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hey everyone, you are in the holding room with me, Christian Abbott, and this is where you have to come before you head into the audition room. So make sure you come back each and every week because I bring you Broadway professionals and industry insiders who will give you tips and tricks to crush your next audition. They tell amazing, entertaining, but educational stories about the auditions for some of the biggest shows in the world. And the more stories you hear, the better armed and more confident you'll be stepping into your next audition. So make sure you subscribe. Now, this week's episode is fantastic because in the past, I've talked about going where the work is and staying in your craft. And today I talked to a gentleman in our Performer Spotlight segment who has done just that. Mr. Daniel Terrian has performed all over the world because he goes where the work is. And he's gonna be talking about some of those international auditions that he's been to. My Thank You Five segment, I'll be talking about the tips and tricks for your resume, what to do, what not to do, and how to get a good one. In our professor's corner, we bring back the incredible Rhea Jones. West End leading lady is here to talk about the rehearsal process and some other guidance for you along your performance career. All this coming your way in the holding room. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. Today in our Performer Spotlight segment, a gentleman that I first met when he was an acrobat and a dancer in Las Vegas. He then went on to perform off-Broadway. He went on to Japan to perform in Tap Dogs and Wicked the Musical. He was in Chicago in New Zealand. He did Cats, Starlight Express, West Side Story, and Hunchback of Notre Dame all over in Germany. He's performed all over the world. And today he's here to talk to you about some of his international auditions. Please welcome to our Performer Spotlight, Mr. Daniel Terrian. Daniel Terrian, what is up? It's so good to see you. <laughs> yeah, you too, bud. It's Man, been it's a been while, a, huh? It has been a while. I mean, we <laughs> go we go back to Vegas. And I mean, speaking of Vegas, from Vegas to New York to Europe and world and international tours, you have seen it all, brother. You have been around. And <laughs> I, would, I would love for you specifically to talk to our audience about, you know, the audition process for landing some of those international jobs that you have. Of course, you know, in the United States, there's lots of work, it's a plethora of work, you know, but as for me, like from a young age, I, I always wanted to travel, you know, cause I even thought about getting into the military so I could just travel. Like, honestly, as a kid, I was like, yeah, how do you see the world? You gotta go to the military, you know, but- Dancer, yeah, military. Exactly. Dancer, military. <laughs> <laughs> so I just decided, I was like, you know what, uh, I'm gonna start auditioning for different kinds of things. And I had a buddy of mine go to Japan and another friend of mine, uh, he did this like tour in Europe. So I was like, I'm going to start auditioning for Japanese uh, tours in Japan or whatever I can get, you know, and then I landed my first job in Japan at like 22 years old. It was a show called um, Ocean Dome. It was uh, this this large beach 
uh, but it was a covered beach, you know, so they could 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was a beach, you know, um, and uh, they had a big show there. And I, where did you find that audition? How, how, how did an American audition for a Japanese show? Well, I, I was actually in L.A. for a music video, <laughs> so, truth be told. Yeah. And um, I, I was looking for auditions. You know, uh, when I was saying I was looking for auditions, Tokyo Disney was the one I was looking for. And that was the one I was like, I'm definitely going to go to this audition for Tokyo Disney. But um, I was at an audition for a music video and there's another audition next door. And then I just decided to pop into the uh, audition next door. And it was that one. And I ended up getting the job. It's crazy. <laughs> wow all the Broadway shows you do over there in Europe and you're a part of that audition process. I mean, you see those kids come through. I say kids, I don't mean kids, but you see those prof yeah. professionals come through uh, for those shows. Uh, you know, you both dance in them. You're a resident director, you're associate choreographer for those. So you're a part of that audition process for those musical theater shows. Mm -hmm. What it, What is it that really catches your eye with a, during a dance call, let's say, that catches your eye that says, ah, I got to bring this person back. I got to have this person. It's something about, it's like an energy, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, uh, the German market uh, lacks that energy. You know, people are going to watch that. They're gonna, I'm going to get shunned. Um, no, no, but it's, that's a great point because there are a lot of Americans who go over to Germany and find a lot of success performing in Broadway exactly. shows in Germany. And I've always wondered, why do they employ so many Americans over in Germany? And that's so... It's, it's an edge. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it is an edge. You know, it's uh, something about in, in England, too. We have a lot of London and we have a lot of Italy, you know, Italy or, or and all the dancing shows or the Italians, you know, and then the musical theater shows the, the people from London come out. And then we got some Americans as well. And it's just um, it's 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 not about arrogance. It's about confidence. And it's about the way that they deliver movement. You know, and it's, uh, I, I don't know if it's because the schools are better. There's not, you know, there's not a lot of schools here in Germany. It's kind of a small, um, uh, small country. And the the schools, there's not many of them. They had a musical theater school, one of the biggest ones. It's the Yop Academy. That one closed down. Mm -hmm. Now there's one in Berlin. There's one in Munich still. And these are like schools. Like people actually go to college for their education of schooling. You know how we're, we take dance schools and we go to Dolly Dingle or wherever we go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they actually have like universities. So they have to make a decision like when they're at a certain age and they go to universities. But um, I think what, what you look for is just that energy. You know, I mean, everybody can kick, everybody can jump, everybody can leap, everybody can turn, you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's about uh, your personality. It's about showing your personality, you know, who you are. I was wondering if you could take us back and walk us through maybe one of your earlier dance auditions, you know, um, maybe before they knew you, before you rose to the position that you're in now with the companies. Uh -huh. uh, but you know, when you first were trying to make a name for yourself and get over there, walk us through that audition experience, break that down for us. And, and what was that like? Yeah, I had, I had a friend that was, um, I don't know, you know, I'm Ernest Marchand. Do you, you remember Ernest? I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, he just, I was doing Wicked over in Japan and he, he gave me a call and he was like, you know, you should come try to, you should come over to Germany. You know, you should come uh, get a job over here. I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. I was like, you know, what show is like Starlight Express. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I can't roller skate. I'm, you know, he's like, no, no, no. They teach you how to roller skate, you know? So I was like, okay, great. You know, I sent my stuff in and um, Debbie had a look. Uh, she was the, uh, the resident choreographer for the production. Um, Arlene Phillips, you know, she was always in and out of there and everything. 
And she said, yeah, I'd love to see you, you know, come over. And uh, I got a private audition, you know, and uh, it was amazing, you know. So this was a private audition due to your network. I mean, this was due to my network. Exactly. You know, that's great. and networking is everything. It's, 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 it's a big part of this, this business It's networking. Yeah. Okay. So you, know? you get that private call or you get that call for a private audition. That is awesome. Um, what do you, what do you wear to that audition? Yeah. Well, you know, usually I do stuff that's form fitting, you know, to show that, and I'm in good physical condition. I mean, that's also a huge part, you know, that's what people want for the show. Um, you have to be in good shape. So tight fitting clothes. I mean, maybe uh, times have changed the decade. So it used to be the jazz pants and the cool split block shoes. <laughs> and yep. now it's changed, you know, to the shorts and the, you know, the boxing boots. And, you know, it, it gets, it just depends on what the addition is, you know, like if I know if it's, uh, you know, like for Notre Dame, when I knew I was um, auditioning for Scott Schwartz. I was like, okay, I want to look like, you know, a Broadway guy. I want to have, you know, <laughs> black, all black attire on and I want to look professional, you know? So it really just depends. But if, if you don't know what the audition is, I would say, you know, always, you know, just be smart, you know, be smart about, you know, what you're going to wear. So what they have you do at that audition, you show up and did they, they put you through a dance call? Starlight was full on. It was, uh, you know, kicking, kicking your face. And, you know, they, they, you have to be really, really good. I mean, it's, it's the only the best work in Starlight Express. It's, it's the truth. Yeah. So they put you through a jazz call or a ballet call, or did they just teach you choreography from the show to see how you did and then made a cut or I mean, they do, they do something so. completely, completely different from the show with stuff from the show in it. Mm. So it, the, there's nothing that's in the show. The song is just like, uh, I think it was Pixie lot when I was auditioning. Um, and it just shows flexibility and strength and, but, but with some of the movements in the show, and there's usually about, um, uh, two combinations. And then of course they, they ask if you're going to be the hoppers, like the hip hop guys, they say, who can rap, you know, and then you have to rap and you got everybody outside going, Oh my God, I've never rapped before in my life. Do you have anybody have Eminem? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what did you, what did you sing for the audition? Did you, you, well, when you, I, brought, I, you brought your book in? What was in your book? Yep. I, 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 for the audition, for that audition, I just sang, I, I think it was um, Fortune Favors the Brave. That's always my go to song. And um, I sang that, and that was really good. And uh, I, got a, I got a position. I got uh, one of the trains. It was called Hashimoto, which was ironic because, you know, I'm Jap you know, I speak Japanese and live in Japan for quite a while. And um, yeah, I got the position and it was great. And then I came back to audition with my wife and uh, just because she was auditioning, she was, she was playing Alphaba in Wicked in Japan. And she came over to audition for the show as well. And I said, and I asked Debbie, I said, can I audition again? She was like, you already got a job. I was like, I just want to have fun and audition because I love to audition. It's like, makes me pump. And uh, she said, yeah, great. All right, whatever. If you want to audition, audition. So then I did audition again and, you know, had a fantastic time. Me and this guy, Niels Haberstroh, one of the amazing gymnasts here in uh, Germany. We had a tumbling contest and it was like, uh, just, you know, it was so awesome, you know, like, because he's fantastic, you know, so I love a good challenge. Wow. So, no, he's at, like, at, dun, the dun, dun, dun. at the audition, you know, okay. and she says, because, you know, she's like, does anybody tumble? And then, you know, everybody, you know, I can tumble. And then Cartwheel, no, I can tell my four roll. So then, you know, me and Niels tumbled. <laughs> so me and Niels tumbled. And then she was like, oh, wow, 
you guys just go, you know? So then I'm like, do, do, do. And he's like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, what, do, 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 do. And he's like, what, do, 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 do. <laughs> and so the audition was amazing. And then from there, from, from there, Debbie saw something else in me, you know, she, she said, okay, does anybody rap? And at the time I was doing a, a show in Japan. It was like a, like a, like a J-pop kind of show. Like it was like Japanese pop and I was doing this rap in Japanese. And then I said, well, I rap, you know, I've, I've got a whole, whole routine I can do for you. So then I just did that whole rap uh, show I did in Japanese. And she's like, ah, I have a new contract for you. And then she gave me a new contract. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which was way better. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, about, you know, it's about showing your talents at the audition too. You know, if you've got something, show it, you know, it's, you know, it's just. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off there, but no, like no, go ahead. you were somebody who had already been in the show. You were humble enough mm -hmm. to come back and audition. Um, you knew the people behind the table. So you, you kind of have a little less anxiety than the normal dancer going in for an audition. But there's a couple things exactly. I want to I want to pull apart there. One is, you know, the people behind the table. So if mm -hmm, anybody mm -hmm. at that audition is being unprofessional, unkind, disrespectful, you are the ears for them. You know, you could go up to them yeah. later on and go, hey, that guy was so mean out in the holding room, you know? And so you never know who you're dancing with when you're at an audition. So like, be cool, be prepared, treat everybody with respect. Um, but, you know, being able to lower your anxiety because you know the people behind the table and already having that job allows you to really shine, doesn't it? I mean, you were, if that was your first audition for them, would you have had the confidence to get into a tumbling battle with the, you know, so. Oh yeah. Well, me personally, yeah, I live for that, you know, <laughs> exactly. Because, because you're I true mean, to yourself. And I think that's, that's why you land so many jobs is because you know how to be yourself and, and yeah, to let your personality exactly. shine. That's why you haven't stopped working in 26 years. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and you know, that's a good point. You know, um, I'm the guy that's, you know, I know this sounds really funny, but I'm always in handstands. I mean, you remember in Follies when I used to try to learn them. Well, I actually got good at them. And, uh, you know, I'm always doing that and not only relaxes me, but, you know, it's kind of peacocking, you know what I mean? And, and that is what's something we're always looking for. You know, um, my audition for Aladdin, I never got it because this guy was there. But um, he, you know, I, I just thought it was a shoe in for me because my best friend had just finished the lad and he wasn't finishing the contract. And I literally went up to Ralph. Ralph was the, the head of casting here. I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to show up. Just give me the contract because, you know, my buddy's the same size as me. We both flip. We both dance. We both sing. And, it, you know, we usually just follow each other in positions around here in Germany. And um, I told Ralph, I was like, yeah, you know, well, I'll be at the audition. But anyway, then there was that guy there. And he's still doing it to this day, but he was so good. You know, but he's he's doing like what I'm doing, but better. You know what I mean? But you know, he's peacocking. You know, it's like you know, he was like doing. I don't. I'm not even exaggerating. Like ten turns into like an aerial split to the splits, and uh, he was. He's just. He's amazing. He's still here. He's still doing a lot. Just just top top talent. Guillermo is his name. And, um, but you know, it's also one of the, and I still did the exact same thing I do, you know, it does not a competition because everybody's like, oh, that guy, oh, you know, people get, you know, irritated with those kind of people, but it's like, it's there, it's not a show off thing. It's, it's, uh, just kind of like, you know, if you're laying in your splits, you want to do a handstand, if you're good at it, you know, do a handstand, you know, do, do whatever you're good at, you know? Yeah. And that, that brings me to something you just said earlier too. You know, they said, Hey, does anybody tumble? 
and somebody does a forward roll. You know, oh, I can tumble. <laughs> and do a cartwheel. You know, like if you can't yeah. do something, it's better not to do it than to do it poorly and and not represent yourself <laughs> correctly. We've exactly. Yeah, we see that time um, and time again, especially when dancers make it through all of these calls and they think. Uh, oh, now they're asking to tumble. I better show them I can tumble. No, not necessarily. Not everybody in a cast needs to tumble unless it's, you know, unless it's obvious that they do. But if you can't yeah. do something, just don't do it. Don't lie and don't do it poorly. Yeah, I was, uh, I just auditioned for Aladdin like for the sixth time. Um, <laughs> I'm just, they keep saying, you know, you're just not ethnic enough. You know, you're just not, you know, and it's great. It's fair. I understand completely. You know, they want you to look like you're from Agrabah, you know, and that's, you know, unless you're going to be one of the brothers, but, you know, anyway, I uh, went to the audition of the court. Right? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, and with typecasting, with, with typecasting on the other side of the table, sometimes it's, it's, it's the truth. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with it. You know, somebody's going to be younger. Somebody's going to be taller. Somebody's going to be shorter. You know what I mean? Like this is, has nothing to, this is totally out of your power, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the choreographer at that audition said, you know, it was like, it was perfect thing to say. He's like, you know what, if you've never tumbled before, today is not the day to start. <laughs> and it's like, I'm going to start off every audition with that again, that I do, because it's so true. If you don't do it, today is not the day to start. Unless you do it well, don't, you know. <laughs> that is gold. I love that. This is not the day to start. <laughs> I mean, people feel that pressure. They feel the nerves to want to try and show, you know, it's not the time to start but another funny uh, thing that you said when they said um you know don't go to you know you don't have to tumble unless you know you're supposed to right so th this was back in uh 2011 cats you know the original cats had come here to audition and they had emergency tumble brutus audition and this was actually for the guy Niels, that i had the tumble uh, contest against and starlight so i got starlight express that day he didn't but he got cats instead so he didn't get the role I got, but he did get cats. The, the we week both got after. Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, a lot of makeup. <laughs> we both got <laughs> Webber shows. And uh, he was the original Tumble Brutus in the production. And, um, and then I, I didn't continue with Starlight after. And um, I went to the cats audition for Tumble Brutus because Neil was, Niels was leaving because he injured his feet. And um, at the audition, there was about 30 and they needed somebody like now, you know, so we all, we all auditioned and they said, Okay, um, great audition. Um, we just need to see your tumbling now. Um, who wants to start? And everybody's looking around, and I'm like, and <laughs> me. And they're like, does anybody tumble? We look around. <laughs> it's for tumble Brutus for cats, you know. So oh, I was just so funny, you know. And there was three people at the audition that could tumble, and that that one guy, um, he did cartwheels. And while he he was it was. It was really funny. He did cartwheels in a circle, and while he was doing, he was screaming like, ah, ah, and doing cartwheels. It was uh, quite the comical audition. Oh man, not what you want to be remembered for. That casting director. <laughs> that casting director is going to go on to do other things, right? And probably cast for Cats again in another six months. And that guy is going to walk into the room, and they're going to go, "I remember this guy." You know, so yeah. make sure you're Well, it's Chrissy Cartwright. I mean, there's no one else that auditions for Cats. So she's uh, Jillian Lynn's, you know, uh, right-hand right -hand woman. So, yeah, yeah she'll you know, see you again. A couple of things that I want to point out to the audience. First of all, when we first met, you never stopped hustling. You were always in dance class. You were in voice class. You were at the gym tumbling. 
you know, and you were learning, you know, circus skills and the rest of us who were dancing with you, you know, we were like, okay, calm down, Daniel. But, <laughs> but look at you now. I mean, look at the, the arsenal of tools that are in your tool belt, you know, because you never stopped learning. You didn't sing the way you sing now when I first met you, you know, 26 years yep. ago. Exactly. You know, and so I think it's a real testament to how you should never stop learning. You can never stop being a student of your craft. And you, Daniel, are a prime example of that. You didn't stop learning. When you started performing, you are so much better now than what you were. And I just, hats off to that work ethic. Secondly, as I'm blowing up your ego, because you deserve it, <laughs> um, that, that work ethic has led you to get those auditions. When we first started talking in this interview, you talked about this person giving you a call and this person knowing you and this person brought you over. And they don't do that unless they know you have their back. They're not gonna recommend you for a job or recommend you if it's gonna make them look bad. So your professionalism is, is and your work ethic are just as high up there as your talent because if you were talented, which you are, but a jerk, nobody would be putting your name out there, you know? So I just want to pull that out to the audience. Daniel is a prime example of never stop learning and being a professional and utilizing your network to land your next gig. Great job, Daniel. Yeah. Thank, uh, you, you couldn't have said it any better. Like everything that you just said there is so, so true. Like you always have to work on your, your craft, you know what I mean? And, you know, I always, you know, live by, if you've always done what you've already already done, you always get what you've already got. You know what I mean? So <laughs> okay. for me- No, 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 no. I'm going to stop you. <laughs> Say that again. That is gold. Say that again. Yeah. If you always do what you've already done, you'll always get what you've already got. <clears throat> so for me, I've lived my whole life by that, you know? So it's like, you know, I always wanted to do something different. Like you said, I didn't- what what got me into singing was, um, of course, I always loved Broadway. You know, I'm I'm probably the the biggest you know Broadway queen that you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> exactly. Besides you, I don't know who would who would out queen each other with this. <laughs> but uh, for me, you know, I I love Broadway so much, and yes, and I love singing so much. And then of course, I saw these people with better pay scales when they could sing. You know. And so I was like, you know, I want to learn to sing, you know, so what do I do? You take voice lessons, you know, it's possible. Now, will I ever sing as good as my wife? No. You know what I mean? She's a singer, you know, it's just the way it is. We're built certain ways for certain things, but can you listen? I was a lead in a, in a Broadway show. You know what I mean? Like I worked my way up. I was well, a lead, but riff, riff and West side story. I played that for seven years, you know, at Columbus Shopper here in Berlin, <clears throat> I never thought I could get a role like that, you know, but if you couldn't sing, you'll never get a chance. You know what I mean? So push yourself. You know what I mean? Push yourself to the limits. You can't sing, get voice lessons. You know, everybody can sing. Everybody can learn, you know? Absolutely. Well, well said. Daniel, I, I, I can't thank you enough for your time, for your knowledge and, and sharing your experience with our audience. If our audience wants to connect with you or, or follow you and find out what you're doing, you know, how do they do that? Uh, uh, Instagram, you know, I'm a Facebook guy. So, you know, I have to, I have to get up with the times, <laughs> but uh, I'm, of course I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and um, yeah. All right. Well, you throw me, me those, you throw me those links and I'll put them in the show notes so people know what you're doing. But I have to ask you one more question. Are you ready for the lightning round? Absolutely. Bring it on. <laughs> 
Well, that was a trick question because the lightning round is 15 questions. So I actually have 15 more questions planned for you. All right. We're going to try to burn okay. through these as quickly as possible. I'm just looking for a quick gut reaction, just a simple answer. And we're going to bang through these. All right. Great. Here we go. First Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over. Rent. Go-to song when singing in the shower. Uh, Fortune favors the brave. Oh, right. Cake or yeah. pie? <laughs> Cake. Show you wish you could go back in time to be in. Uh, wow, that's a good one. Um, uh, go back in time. Well, everything's a revival. So wait a minute. That's a bit of a trick question. <laughs> yeah, no, but like if you wanted to go back and be in like an original cast or work with a certain performer, like if you could go back and be in like the original yeah, cast the of Rent the, or something. The original cast of Chorus Line would have been a dream oh. to work with, yeah. Who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? Uh, I would have to say, <laughs> wow, that's, that's graphic. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeremy Jordan, because hey. I, I don't think he can do, yeah, he can do no wrong by me. He, as long as he sings to me afterwards, we're, <laughs> we're in good, yeah. <laughs> If you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Uh, definitely Hunchback of Notre Dame. Absolutely. Say Easy on the body. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You said Hunchback of Notre Dame? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's, it's not too taxing on the body and it's beautiful music and yeah, yeah definitely. Right. Say yeah. good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Good day, mate. All right. <laughs> Steven Sondheim is writing a new musical about your favorite childhood toy. What is it? Favorite? He-Man, of course. Right. <laughs> South Pacific or Oklahoma? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I have to go with South Pacific. Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Sour Patch Kids. Which animal brings more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Llamas, absolutely. Go-to cast album when you're on a road trip? Go-to cast album, cast album. That would have to be Rent. Duet you enjoy singing both parts to? Ooh. I, I never like the girl parts. I'm always I'm always let me let me think about that. That's really good though. Um, probably, uh, I sing it in Japanese. Solo saxophone. <laughs> All right. Nice. Yeah. Um, next superhero to have a Broadway musical. Iron Man. All right, Daniel, I show up to an audition. You haven't heard me sing. You haven't seen me dance. You haven't seen me act. What do you typecast me as upon seeing me? The director. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you, look, you just look like a director. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. I, I really appreciate everything. And uh, hey, best of luck to you and to your family. And uh, really, from the bottom of my heart, it's been great catching up. And uh, I'm, I'm so proud of everything that you've accomplished. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. All right, talk to you soon. Yep, all right, bye-bye. If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, 
then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com. Daniel, thank you so much again. And Daniel, such a great example of never settling. The guy has been trying to improve himself since the day we met. When he was a teenager, he never stopped going to class. He was always in dance class, acro class, voice lessons. He never stopped trying to get better and neither should you. But also his network was incredibly helpful. So continue to learn and continue to cultivate that network and go where the work is. There are amazing shows and phenomenally talented people all over the world that you can work with. Today in my Thank You Five segment, I'm gonna take less than five minutes talking about your headshot and resume. First, let's talk about your headshot. Your headshot needs to represent you and your brand. Now, there are different casting directors who have different opinions and you're never gonna be able to satisfy all of them. So let's talk generally about a couple of things. First of all, your headshot should look like you. You would be amazed at how many headshots come across casting directors' desks that are too old or out of date because they've lost or gained weight, they've cut their hair, they've changed their hair color, or, or they're just 10 years older than they used to be and they never updated their headshot. You have to have an updated headshot. Commit to yourself that you are not going to do anything drastic to your look for at least a year. <laughs> okay? Now, if you are caught with a headshot that no longer looks, by your, looks like yourself and you need to go to an audition, you probably have a smartphone that has a pretty good camera on it. Have a friend take your picture. Have your friend take a black and white picture with your smartphone. It's probably got a great camera, as I mentioned. And then take that photo, go print it at Walmart, and then get it copied at Staples on heavy paper. There are easy things to do to make sure that your photo looks like you. Do everything that you can. Now, there are some casting directors who uh, get immediately turned off when they see an unprofessional headshot because you haven't invested in your career. You haven't invested into your brand. That can be hard sometimes if you are caught out without a headshot. Now, I've run into some casting directors who have said, you know, we posted this notice months ago. If this person was really serious, they would have gotten their headshot done by then, by now. And I can see that. But in this day and age, there's really no excuse to not have an updated headshot. So do everything you can to make sure that your headshot looks like you look at that audition. Now, your resume. You've heard a couple people on the show talk about not lying on your resume. Let's take that a little bit further. Don't lie about the shows that you've been in. This is too small of an industry. People know people at different theaters around the world, not just in the state, not just in the country, but around the world. We just heard from Daniel Terry and he's performed all over the place. If he's hiring you or behind a table at an audition and he reads your resume and sees that you did a show in Vegas and he's in Germany right now, he might call you out on it. He might ask you a question about it. You know, so don't lie about what shows you've been in. It's too small of a world. 
Now you go down to your special skills section. Don't lie about your special skills. Just because you took one swing class doesn't make you a professional swing dancer. Just because you took one acro class doesn't mean you are an acrobat or you know how to tumble. Be very careful about what's on your special skills because that casting director or choreographer looking at it might say, oh, you tumble? Can I see a back handspring? Oh, no, I can only do a cartwheel. Okay, if you can only do a cartwheel, you can't tumble. Don't put that down. So be very careful about what you list on there. Now you can put beginner, beginner swing dancer. I don't know if that really helps you, but it's better than lying because they might, if you have it down there, they might expect an expert level. Uh, so also tumbling, acrobatics, aerial work. Those are all big things that people kind of get called out on. So be really careful about how you list that aerial experience that you've had. If you had that one silk class or that one lira class, you know, does that mean that you know how to fly into a double point harness? You know, let's, let's just be very careful and clear about what special skills you actually do have. Also, you want your resume to be very easy to read. There's a lot of resumes to go through, and sometimes they get but a passing glance. Sometimes they don't even get looked at, to be honest, because they're immediately looking at your dancing ability. If you're going into an open cattle call for dancers, they might look at your resume, you know, after they made the cuts. But you want it to be very easy to read. You want your name to be very legible. So don't use all those funny, fancy fonts. Now, Performerstuff.com has a very handy dandy resume builder. Use it. Make sure it's clear. On the left-hand side, what show you are in. And in the middle column, your role. And in the third column, where it was located in the director that you had. It should be very simple, very easy. They want to see your experience. And start cutting off some of that old stuff too. You know, you all that stuff you did back in high school, they probably don't need to hear about that anymore because your resume only needs to be one page long, okay? And it should fit on the back of your photo too. So like I said, use the handy dandy resume builder at performerstuff.com. They will help you build a professional resume that is clean and simple and it'll make you look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> and with that, thank you five. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had the amazing Rhea Jones on in our Performer Spotlight segment. Of course, she's had an amazing career from chess to cats to Les Miserables to Sunset Boulevard. She's had a phenomenal career. Today, I bring you Rhea Jones in our Professor's Corner segment. We are 
continuing the conversation that we had when I interviewed her for her uh, performer spotlight segment. She was so gracious and so kind. And she just kept talking about her life and her experiences. And I, and I asked her questions about the rehearsal process and other things that she had learned. So I'm gonna drop you back in to the conversation that we had originally for the performer spotlight segment because she has more to teach you. And that's why she's back in Professor's Corner. Please welcome once again, the amazing Rhea Jones. Is there something about the rehearsal process that maybe isn't talked about or that you think, you know, people entering it for the first time should be aware of? I think, I, I, I always think first day rehearsals are the most nerve wracking of any day, even more nerve wracking than, than the audition, because especially when you do the first read through and it's doing it in front of your peers. And it, it's, I always find that the mo most nerve wracking. So my advice would be try and be as pre prepared as you possibly can. Really research your role and um, the story and everyone else's story and your connection to the, the, the person that you, in, in, the, in the piece. I really feel the more information you have about your role and the piece and the director, the choreographer, as much as you can about the people you're working with um, is such a great uh, thing to have for the first day. Um, and just, yeah. yeah, just know, know, I try to know people's names as best as I, I, I can, you know, um, things, first day rehearsals, as I say, can be really nerve wracking as much for the director as anyone else. I think everyone's just excited, nervous. Um, the energy in that first day is quite incredible. Do you have any tips or tricks or routines that you go through either for auditions or for rehearsals or for preparations for a show, some sort of ritual that you, that you abide by to kind of get yourself in the right mindset? I always, I always like to um, listen to music in, in, on the, on the half hour call. I like to um, listen to um, a performer. I love listening to like Ethel Merman or somebody with good energy. Um, there's a singer called Dorothy Squires who was a wonderful performer in her time and who did this fantastic live show at the London Palladium. Um, and I love to listen to that. Um, just to give me some energy and to sing along to. Um, I don't like anyone coming into my dressing room unless it's for wigs and mics to talk to me after the half hour call. I like to completely focus. Mm. Um, and I, I don't really like to talk to anybody in the wings at all ever. Yeah. Um, because for me, that's completely, I'm there. I'm, I might as well be on stage in the wings. So if people come up and talk to me and I, I, I say, I'm so sorry, I'm just trying to concentrate. It's not me being rude. I just want to get myself set. So, so I don't normally like, I like to be left alone in the wings. Yeah. Um, uh, rehearsals, I, I, on auditions, I like to turn up just before. I don't like sitting, um, sorry, in auditions for too long. Yeah. Then you start to, 
analyze the situation oh the, look who's in before me you can hear someone singing and it, <laughs> so I, it's like well, I'm already yeah before yeah. I go in I've I, and I came in calm and now I'm like that so I like to just time it so that I and hopefully they're not running late but you yeah. just turn up you know warmed up of course ready to just go straight in that is that is so good and that's not controllable for a lot of people when a lot of us are hitting open calls um, yes, of course. But, but when you when you do get those equity calls, when you get those agent calls or those callbacks that have been scheduled, that that it, that is such a simple trick to relieve so much nervousness. Just Definitely. arrive right ahead of schedule. You know, maybe yeah. maybe you're outside, maybe you're at a cafe half an hour before your audition. You're not yeah. leaving the house at the last minute, but you oh, don't have cool. to be in the room and compare yourself and listen. Yeah. What a simple, great tip. That, that's exactly what I do, Christine. You've just said it. I go, I get there about half an hour before, but I don't go into that building until about five minutes before because yeah. I've done it before and I've got completely psyched out. And people start chatting to you, and you can't you can't even speak sometimes. Yeah. In a, in a normal conversation because you're completely, you know, no, or, or who, what role are you up for? Or blah, blah, blah. Oh, and they say, oh, I've, have you learned it? Yeah, I've learned mine. You're thinking, I didn't learn it. They didn't. Everything's just, it's like, you don't want any of that. You don't want any of that. Just go in, focused, yeah. warmed up, five minutes before, bam. Yeah. I know people chatting um, out of Some nervous. Some people are nervous. Yeah. And it's and like they- nervous. But I can't even talk to some of my best friends. My best friends that I've known for years. I can't talk to them. I'm I'm exactly the same. (laughs) And I go complete, when I'm nervous, I go, it's almost as if my body shuts down. It knows, because I'm my adrenaline, my body goes into a calming mode. So and I actually start, I yawn when I'm nervous. I just yawn. And I think it's my body just, I go completely the opposite. But some people are like that. And I, I'm exactly the same. So rather than deal with all that, yeah. That is so, so funny that you mentioned yawning. I have never mentioned that that's what I do when I'm nervous. I yawn. And I think it's because I don't breathe properly. And so my body is aching for that oxygen. But you have carried some huge productions on your shoulders, you know, and you have done huge concerts with, with orchestras and symphonies and by composers and in huge halls. In all of those different scenarios, from auditions to shows to concerts, do you what do you do to get over those nerves? Oh, you know, it and it doesn't get easier. It's is that you right? Know. <laughs> yeah. That's a little reassuring for a lot of us. It no, it doesn't yeah. get easier. <laughs> Sorry about that, but it, I think I'm, <clears throat> I'm my own worst enemy. You know, uh, and. Um, I think for me, it nowadays it's it's lyrics. I worry about you know dropping a lyric because there are so many in my head from all. I think I've done about thirty eight shows, musicals, and I think they're all still in there. And unlike a computer where you can just bin and delete, so believe me, some of them I'd love to. Um, <laughs> they, it's just that I do worry about um, remembering remembering a, a, the lyric, especially in concert when it's much more formal and you have a full orchestra behind you. Of course, they have all their music in front of them. And uh, I thought, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and I have to remember all these lyrics, you know. And I'm not really a fan of having words um i do like to um know my lyrics because i can perform them better if i'm not reading them um so i do like to know to know my 
the music, but um, I just try breathe as best I can and tell myself it's not brain surgery, Ria. It's not brain surgery. You 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 know the lyrics. You can do that. You know, it's. Uh, I remember. I think it was. Um, is it Beyonce? Or somebody said whenever she gets terribly nervous and when she goes on stage, she thinks of herself as a completely different cat. She gives herself a name like a character as opposed to her own name. And I thought, well, that's really good because then you you're becoming somebody else rather than yourself, especially yeah. if you're doing concerts or cabaret, you know, where you have to you're yourself and you're chatting in between songs and being yourself. And some people find that really hard because they've you know, they're so used to playing characters and scripted characters. So just try and think of yourself as a character doing a cabaret show and give yourself an, another name in your head and, you know, play that person doing a cabaret show, I guess. I like that. That's that's good. Is there anything else that you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? I think because I never trained, I always felt I my opinion didn't really matter because I, I don't know, I just felt I didn't know enough like other people had studied Shakespeare and studied all these, and I hadn't. And so I didn't think my opinion mattered. And of course, everyone's opinion matters. So don't be ever, sometimes I didn't understand what the director was trying to get me to do in a scene. And rather than say, I'm sorry, I don't understand, I would just pretend I did. And so I just bluffed. Yeah. And I wish now I'd had the guts to say, I'm sorry, I don't understand that big long word you you just used. I don't yeah. understand that. Or, or who, you know, and I think don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to ever ask a director or say, I'm sorry, I don't know what you mean. I don't understand. Yeah. And you know I mean, what? Not a fact to say I don't like line readings and that. Okay, I understand. But if you can't get something if you really can't understand there's nothing wrong with the odd line reading yeah. i don't think that that is such a great point i mean you have worked with some phenomenal directors and choreographers and composers i mean tony and olivier award winners you know would any of them truly be upset with you if you said i'm sorry i don't understand do you know what? They probably wouldn't in a heartbeat. But I think it was more about the cast around knowing, feeling yeah. a bit embarrassed in front of them that I didn't understand. Rather but what than... example you can set for the rest of the cast? Because there's probably some chorus boy or some chorus girl in the back who doesn't know either. And they're like, thank exactly. you for asking that question. I yeah, didn't get it either. But when you're young, you don't yeah. want to embarrass yourself. Now... I'd say I'm sorry. But I don't. I don't. I don't understand what you mean. I would say it now without even hesitating. No. But when you're that young and you just want to be impressed or don't feel embarrassed in front of everyone, you know. And and but I would. I wished I told myself back when I was young. Don't be afraid to say if you don't understand a director. So speaking of those directors and choreographers, you know, they, they create a space where art is being created. Uh, you watch them work, you watch them draw performances out of people and out of yourself. Uh, it, was there something that, that sticks out in your mind from any of those uh, talented individuals that really helped you have the courage to come out uh, to portray a character that maybe you wouldn't have thought of yourself or 
that provided you with the mind frame to take a leap into a character? I guess that the closest again was Victoria Wood who directed me in Acorn Antiques because it was something I, a piece I'd never done before. It was all basically, it was comedy, pure comedy and not really um, a ballad or a song in sight. And um, she taught me a lot about, um, she said, you can't teach somebody comedy time and they've either got it or they haven't. And she said, you have it naturally. But she said, but what you must remember is that you mustn't find, you let the audience think you're funny. Let them decide. If you decide you're funny, they won't. So if you come on and you think you're funny, you won't, you know, let you come on, play the truth and let them decide if you're funny. I thought that was a really, really good way of um, playing comedy. Oh, I, I I like what you just said there. Uh, you come on and play the truth. Let you them decide. The it's, yeah. it's like Norma Desmond, you know. <laughs> okay, no, the character is so heightened. It's huge. And it'd be so easy to play her as a caricature. She is camp. She is larger than life. But I I wanted to find the real truth and the heart of her as well. Um, and if you play her truthfully and play her for real, let the audience decide she's camp or outrageous or larger than life or or ugly or or um, fragile. I think she's fragile, she's tough. There's so many layers of her, um, but just play the, the truth and play the story and let the audience decide rather than play her camp. Don't play camp. And I want to I want to take that statement back to what you said earlier in our interview about your audition songs and finding the truth in the audition songs and the meaning and the story of those audition songs. So it it applies throughout your entire performance life cycle. You come exactly. into the audition room and you have to know the character of that song and perform it at the audition and then continue to discover it and continue to find the truth in that character and in that song and in those moments. Let the audience decide. Let yeah. the casting director decide. Let the director yeah. and the choreographers decide. They'll they'll point you in the right direction. They'll point you. And I think I love it when you feel you've got into the bones of a character. And when I say that, I mean that you can then take that character and put that character in any situation. And it, you can improvise as that character because you know that character so well. Like I know how Norma Desmond would behave in a restaurant if she walked in. I know how she'd behave in a restaurant. I knew I know how she'd behave in the library. I know and I think when you know that character so well, you know you've got a grasp on that character. That's wonderful because then you can you can just pre-up to play the scene knowing that you've got the character in your bones. So just play the scene. I think that rather than trying to be that character in the scene, you don't have to even worry about that because you're in the bones of them. That's that awesome. And I look forward to that sketch comedy show, by the way, Norma Desmond at a steakhouse or Norma Desmond. Can you imagine? <laughs> Starbucks. Norma Desmond. How would Norma Desmond enter Starbucks? How would she order? <laughs> when they I ask would... for a name, what would she say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, could you imagine them spelling Norma's name wrong on the, on the coffee mug? Exactly. Oh, yes, she yeah. would go off. <laughs> oh, give it to me. Forget it. Give, give me the cup. 
<laughs> you know, you have given some great interviews. I can, you know, I did, and I can, inter- you know, YouTube or, you know, Google search you and find you find some great discussions that you've had about the characters that you've played and the people you've worked with and your story and what you've accomplished. And one of the things I want to accomplish with this podcast is really, you know, that, uh, like that work ethic. The That's what people don't really touch on, I don't think. You know, the, like you said, the process from auditioning to rehearsing to the hardest part for me is after first night, you know, up until then, I think then the real work begins after opening night. I remember a lovely quote Judy Dench said once, and she said, I always try to take on a role I don't think I can do. I don't, I, and I think, wow, that's interesting. She said, I always want to sort of test myself and challenge myself. So I, I want to, I take on roles I don't think I can do. And I thought that was really brave. And then she said, I, I, I only ever become an actress in between jobs. That's when you really become an actress, out of, when you're out of work. And I thought that's so true. Then, you know, you really want to do it if you hang, hang in, in there between jobs. You played some roles for, a, for you know, you were Grisabella for over two years. I mean, yeah, you know, you've, you've done some roles for a while. So kind of going back to what you just said, if you don't mind, you know, the work begins, you know, after opening night. So what do you mean by that? Or, or how do you get a young performer to prepare for their six month contract and, and beyond potentially? It, I think it's, Cats was really hard because you know you had that one song memory that everyone was waiting to hear that's at the end of the show. So mentally, it was really hard to, you know, through, to wait until the end of the show, the pressure to then go on and sing that song eight times a week, perfect. You know, because they they're used to hearing it on a CD, you know, that's been recorded in a studio, and now they are singing, you know, someone's singing it live eight times a week. So it was really mentally hard to keep, um, you know, and vocally keep vocally fit. Uh, so you know, there was no late nights for me shouting over music or you know um, drinking um, because my muscle was still young at 21 and you I had to look after it. Um, and so, and the pressure was a lot for, um, at the end of the two years, I remember going on stage one night towards the end of my contract and I nearly forgot the melody of memory. And I just thought it's time. I'm glad I'm leaving because it, it, it was such a, it'd been such a long time singing that one song. Eight and times what, the pressures that come with it when Andrew Lloyd Webber used to come in, Trevor Nunn used to come in. And the, I remember one night they'd all be sitting there and they were deciding whose contract was being renewed. And, you know, all those things would go on. It was it was tough mentally. I'm sure. And then you have the, the contrast of that, you know, where you're in Les Miserables, you're in a, you know, like the stamina to get through Les Miserables versus the pressure of delivering memory. I mean, those are two different kind of um, of staminas, of anxieties, yeah. uh, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah because the, the one with Les Mis, it was, it was uh, you know, the Fontaine's bits, right? Right at the beginning. <laughs> the show. And then of course you, a lot, you probably know this, but a lot of audience members don't know that Fontaine then, I'm on as a little urchin boy for the rest of the show. She, I play an urchin boy until the end. Um, and Patty Lapone did that, you know, she she was on stage as a little urchin boy and through the barricades and everything. We all, we all so you're not sitting in your dressing room till the end of the show. But it, it, it's such a heavy subject matter, that show. It was tough. I did it for two years, 
then had a break, then did it for another six months, had a break, then a few years later did it um, again. And I knew then the third time that was um, I, that was it, I'm done with, with the show. Not, it's wonderful. I think it's more, f it's great to be in, but it's long, it's a long show. Um, I think there's only been, Cats I did a three times as well. And Sunset I've done three times, but other than that, I've not really repeated a show. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't mind doing Anything Goes again. That was a great uh, role. Oh, Ria, it has been such a pleasure. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Really, really lovely. And say hi to your wife and um, give, a, give what we say in Wales, a kutch, which is a hug. Give a kutch to your children. Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for Pro Series on PerformerStuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom and passion for the arts. From Broadway in the West End to theme parks, cruise ships and everything in between, Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series. Conversations with the Pros, brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. You know, on this show, you kind of get to hear or see me be a bit of a fanboy. And in that interview, I was. You know, I, I am truly lucky to get to speak to some of the people that I've been interviewing for this show and to, to ask them my questions and to hear these stories. So, Rhea, thank you so much for, for sharing your experience with us. On next week's episode, I get to speak to a wonderful lady who was in Greece on Broadway. She was in the original Broadway production of The Wedding Singer. And for the past seven years, she's been at Walt Disney World in the equity production of Finding Nemo as Dory, the amazing Christina Sivrich coming your way next week in The Holding Room.